Today, I interview Dr. Mark Lounswirl, missions professor at Faith Baptist Bible College. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you thrive as a disciple of Jesus. God has a big plan for you. You were created to glorify Him and to build up His church. Well, for some of you, that means a trip through Bible college or seminary. So I hope you enjoy my talk with Dr. Lounsborough today. Well, Dr. Lounsborough has a wealth of experience in missions. He left for Brazil with Baptist Mid-Missions as a missionary in 1989. And he was there from 1989 to 2008. While he was there, he was a Bible professor at Carari Baptist Seminary in Credo, Brazil from 1991 to 2008. He was pastor of Maranatha Baptist Church from 1994 to 2004. Again, they're in Credo, I don't know how you say it, Serra, Serra, Brazil from 1994 to 2004. And director of a 100-voice choir from the Carari Valley Churches from 2001 to 2006. And then he also served as president of the Baptist Mid-Missions Northeast Region for several terms. Now, he has returned back to the States, and I think that is for family reasons. His present ministry, he is the chair of the World Missions Department. He is associate professor at Faith Baptist Bible College. He is a coordinator for Ariba and Faith Abroad for Faith Baptist Bible College. He is the conference coordinator for the Global Reach Connect for Faith Baptist Bible College and Seminary. So that is their annual missions conference, and that is what I was at when I interviewed him. So I think that you will enjoy getting to know uh, Dr. Lounsborough, and maybe if you're thinking about the future and what training you might need, I can highly recommend Faith. That is where I received my master's and where my wife I went for her undergraduate, and I have known many, many good pastors and missionaries who have come out of there. Of course, you're not guaranteed to, to be good just because you go to a good school, but I do believe that it is a good place to consider. So today, enjoy this interview with Dr. Mark Lounsborough. Today on Run With Horses, we have a special guest for you, Mark Lounsborough, who is, I guess I'm not sure what your official position title is. Maybe uh, you could share Chair that. of the Department of World Missions. Okay, Chair of the Department of World Missions at Faith Baptist Bible College. I'm looking forward to hearing from him today. Thank you for joining us here at Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal, as always, is to help you thrive as a disciple of Jesus. And one way that we like to do that is share the, the story of people who are doing that in different ways around the world. And today, we get to, to talk to Mark Lounsborough. So thank you for joining me today. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to sharing. All right. One thing that I like to do when I interview somebody, I don't really know your story very much. And I, I like to hear, particularly this is a disciple-making podcast. We really focus on this whole process of discipleship. And one of the things I've been emphasizing recently is investing in other people's lives. And most of us, if you've gone into ministry, you've had different people who have invested in your life. And that's one of the things that I would like to hear is what was that story of how did they invest in your life? What were the, sometimes it's like single conversation. Sometimes it's an intentional time of life when someone's investing, but I'm really interested in that because that's what I'm challenging our listeners to do, to be that person in someone else's life. Hmm. So if you don't mind, maybe share your, a little bit of your background, how you came to Christ, and we'll start there. Sure. Uh, I was born in Toledo, Ohio, and uh, my home was not a Christian home with the exception of my mother. She came to Christ as a young person. Uh, she did marry my father as an unsaved man, and later on we talked about that, and she she, she understood the, the biblical teaching about that. Mm -hmm. But uh, she was the only believer on either side of the marriage, 
and God allowed me to be born into to her home. And so she was really the connection to Christ from the beginning. I came to the Lord at 14. I was a freshman in high school, and uh, it was actually through the radio ministry of a church in Toledo. And she had been listening, and she had wanted to take the family there, but, you know, she didn't want to, you know, impose her her, her authority. But finally, the, well, on Easter Sunday morning of all times, uh, we decided to go and visit. And uh, so I came to Christ six months later during evangelistic meetings in that church. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I thank God for my mom, but I also thank God for a strong youth group there. It was a large church, about 1,500 people. They had a strong youth group, and they got us involved in ministry from the very beginning. And I didn't know much about call of God and, you know, will of God and all the theology behind that, but I, I did have a desire to teach and preach the Word of God, at least as, as I understood it at that mm-hmm. time. And I was given opportunities to do that in the youth group. Mm-hmm. And so I really never felt attracted to any other type of work. I just uh, really had a desire to, to study. And so um, uh, there were a lot of other schools that kids in our church were going to. Uh, and Faith Baptist Bible College really wasn't well known, but we had an intern come uh, one summer from Faith, and I connected with him, and through him, mm-hmm. I really became convinced that's where God wanted me. I came out here and visited, just felt like it was a fit, mm-hmm. and so I uh, came here and met my wife here. I was a senior when she came as a freshman. She's an MK from Brazil, mm-hmm. missionary kid, and um, and at that time, I didn't know if God wanted me to be a pastor, a missionary, what he, what he had in store. Mm-hmm. Um, so we prayed together. In fact, we kind of almost avoided Brazil because we didn't want to go for the wrong reason, just because right. she grew up there. Uh, but but after I got into seminary out in Tacoma, Washington, and we continued studying, we we were in contact with people from Brazil, and we started to sense that maybe that's where God was leading us. It's funny because mm-hmm. sometimes you think the will of God is something totally contrary to whatever you right. imagine it might be. And in this case, it was perfectly in keeping with her background. and. Right. And, uh, and God led us there. So we went to Brazil in 1989 and spent 19 years there. And, um, and, and we planned to spend the rest of our lives there, actually. That was our intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 you know, speaking of peer influence uh, or, or mentorship, really most of my significant mentorship actually was peer mentoring. Mm-hmm. Guys on the field who had grown up as MKs, uh, Brazilian nationals, I found them to be very, very helpful in right. adjusting to a new culture and, and so on. And, um, and, and we never intended to leave, but God used a number of things to finally convince us that was his plan for us. And one of those was health issues related to our parents. Mm-hmm. And I remember struggling with that, thinking, okay, the, the Bible says if you don't hate father and mother, you know, and, right. and, and, and everybody else, you, you can't be my disciple. But I really think what Jesus was saying there is if you allow family to keep you from serving God— then, you know, you're out of bounds. Right. And that wasn't the case here. This was a case of, of being re- responsible to care for parents who were in need, and God opened a door here at Faith. In mm-hmm. fact, that door opened even before the health issues came around. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, no, no. You know, I just didn't feel that was his direction. Right. But when uh, when the health issues started arising and when nationals in Brazil were taking more and more control mm-hmm. of the ministry there, mm-hmm. it just became obvious to us that God was switching us mm-hmm. uh, to back to the U.S. And so mm-hmm. we came back here in 08. And I've been teaching here at Faith since, and this is my 16th year here. Wow. And uh, we're just grateful for the, the privilege of pouring our lives into the students here. Right. It's such an important work. Now, thinking about that idea of, of peer mentoring, I know one of the, the ways that I put that when I talk to people, you know, 
think about Paul because he's kind of that center figure of the New Testament. Paul had a rela- relationship with Timothy where he's discipling Timothy, but that relationship with Barnabas is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm. So I, the way I put it is everyone needs a Paul, everyone needs a Barnabas, and everyone needs a Timothy. Mm-hmm. So we should be looking for those. And mm-hmm. uh, as a Timothy, you know, I'm often looking for uh, a Barnabas and a Paul, someone to invest in my life. So one of the, the things that I encourage people is to look, you need all three relationships. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're all important. And at different times of life, one is maybe more important than the other one. Mm-hmm. But that peer mentoring, that Barnabas relationship, maybe doesn't get the emphasis that the other two do, mm-hmm. but it's really important. If you're doing the work to be doing it with someone, it's that uh, accountability and walking mm-hmm. together uh, in ministry. That That's uh, super important. Yeah, and, and God is continuing to do that here. I have some some guys here in, in the offices next door who, who have been a tremendous help to me, and, uh, and I count on them. And, you know, when it comes to mentoring a Timothy, mm-hmm. um, I think that some people who are my age, I'm, I'm 63 years old, mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we are tempted to think that we're irrelevant to the younger people. We can't relate to them. But I have found the opposite to be true. They are really, really looking to us for perspective, for wisdom, for the experience that we have to offer. And uh, and I really have never felt when I when I take a student for coffee or for lunch that somehow I'm unable to connect. There, right. There's just a, a unique opportunity to pour into them from the wisdom and experience that God has granted us. I think from both sides, sometimes the... Younger people can feel like, oh, I, it's just impossible, I'm not going to connect with them. Sometimes the older people feel that way. But the truth is, from either side, if you're willing to make the effort, mm-hmm. it, it can always happen. Mm-hmm. And both both need to make the effort. And mm-hmm. either one can initiate it. Right. So sometimes we feel like, well, they need to come to me as the older person. They need mm-hmm. to come to me and be willing to be humble and come and learn. But sometimes we need to make the effort to invite them. Uh, and we need to be humble and recognize uh, God allows us to learn things from them too. Yes, yes. And in fact, I do that when I when I when I am having coffee or lunch with a student, for example. I try to avoid coming across like I am the guy that knows everything, and you you be quiet and listen. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of asking questions. I, I want to learn about their background because they're very relational. And if, if right. I come across like a teacher, right. you know, in that sense, then I'm not probably not going to get very far. But I a lot of times I'll spend most of the time uh, yeah. on a first meeting just getting to know them, asking them questions about themselves and creating a, a bit of a bonding there. Mm-hmm. And isn't that really the way that a lot of gospel conversations are? Mm-hmm. You know, I know when I meet people in Japan, that's the way the first meetings often are. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm just asking questions, getting to know this person. Where are you? What are your your beliefs, your thoughts on the world? What are your concerns? And what are the things that you're worried about? And as I hear and listen, I get to know that person. So when I do speak, I'm speaking to their life, not just some random image that I might have of what Japanese people might believe, but it's actually your personal mm-hmm. views. And you're able to do that as a as a teacher, yeah. as a, a mentor, when you get to know that person that you're talking to. Right, right. Yeah, that's so important. So uh, you've been here then for 16 years, you said. Mm-hmm. So over that 16 years, um, what do you think is the most important thing for a student when they, they're coming in and they're, they don't know about the future? Because that's something I've been asked a lot, and I've done a lot with internships in Japan. Mm-hmm. So it's probably some similar questions, but when somebody comes in and they're looking at the future and say, I just, you know, I don't know what God has for me, what is your advice for that person who has no clue, but they're open? Yeah, boy, that, that's a good question, and there are a lot of ways to answer that, mm-hmm. because some students come in and they meet colleagues, other other students who seem to already know where they're going, and yet they don't. And, and that was my story. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I finished here. I did five years here, 
and still didn't know where God wanted me. And sometimes students feel intimidated when they have colleagues who already seem to have a handle on what God is leading them to do. So one of the things I stress is patience. Don't be in a hurry. If you're faithful in what God has given you right now, mm -hmm. then then take care of what's on your plate, mm -hmm. and God will take care of the future. Um, here at conference, for example, there are so many, many challenges, so many opportunities, and they feel like they're drinking out of a fire hose. Right. In fact, I mentioned yesterday in the conference session that, you know, they just need to, to sit back and take some time alone with God, think these things through, don't feel nervous or anxious about what God may want them to do. In fact, you probably have experienced this as a missionary. There are times when I would come home on furlough and I would be in a conference with fellow missionaries and I would find myself thinking, man, there's such a need there. Maybe God wants me to go there and serve. And, and you know, he didn't, but but I think it's just natural. When, right. when you have a heart to serve God, mm -hmm. you're, 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 you're going to feel led in a number of directions just because that's a natural part of serving God. Right. And, and, of course, the bottom line, the, the most, the, the, the bedrock uh, advice for any student here is maintain a walk with Christ. Uh, our theme this year in our conference is show us your glory. And mm -hmm. and I really believe with all my heart that if a student has a heart to glorify God, to to, to, to gaze on the face of God, or really get to know God, then he or she will have no problem discerning God's direction. Uh, the, the relationship with Christ is, is first and foremost. Right. And and, every, and then, you know, we encourage them practically to take a missions trip. We don't criticize those who don't. They're not less spiritual because mm -hmm. missions trips aren't for everybody. Right. But we do encourage them to consider the options that are out there and, and prayerfully, you know, ask, ask questions and, and seek God's direction. Yeah, I really like the way Dr. Taylor put it yesterday. He said, you know, if you love God, you're going to love people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what I've talked to my kids personally about. It's like I... I want you to be pursuing Christ with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. And part of that is to look at the people around you right now and how are you serving and investing the lives mm -hmm. of people around you right now. Because if you're doing that, what um, Dr. Taylor mentioned was, I think if he was mentioned, if you're moving, it's easy for God right. to direct you. If you're not doing anything, if you're not serving, it's really hard for God to move you. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't care you know, what the future holds, what what matters is today, you don't know that you're going to have even a next year. So who are the people around you today? Mm -hmm. And how are you serving them? Because if you're a disciple maker, you're learning those skills that are going to help you down the road. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I really believe that most of our students here really do have a heart to serve God. Mm -hmm. You always have some that are here just because mom and dad said they had to come. But even some of them, when they've been here a while, they begin to, to see see it from a different light. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a positive peer pressure here on campus. And right. and so, you know, I, I do believe that in most cases, their car is moving and right. God can steer that that right. car. Yeah. And, and if they are struggling, you know, we we, we, we bend over backwards and encourage them and come and talk to us, faculty, staff, administration, you know, just just to, to come and, 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 and seek us out, even if it's just to pray with them, just mm -hmm. to encourage them that way. Okay, so another question is maybe a little bit different. I probably should have asked this one first. But thinking about a church that has young people and you're helping prepare them for the future, do you have advice for a church? So whether it's the youth group or parents even, do you have, you have your kids and they're thinking about the future, but maybe they're junior high and they're not really thinking seriously about it, but mm -hmm. how can you be preparing them so that they will be able to make those decisions mm -hmm. well one day? Good, good. Um, first of all, I would say we believe strongly here in the centrality of the local church. It's, it's easy for churches just to kind of allow the Bible colleges right. to take the lead. Right. And I think that's a mistake. Yep. I mean, uh, Bible colleges are parachurch. We're here to assist the church, but not to do the role of the church. Right. And that's easy for a church to let go. 
And, and, and that same thing is true of a mission agency, you know, or, or whatever. Um, I, I would say that, that the church leadership really needs to have their ear to the track, have their antenna up, and, and, and be able to advise their young people, rather than just saying, you know, well, you know, go off to Bible college or whatever and figure it out. Right. I think that churches need to be intimately involved in, in, in discerning God's leadership in the lives of their young people. Obviously, the parents take a lead in that. The church can't substitute mom and dad in the home. Right. Uh, assuming that the parents are believers, their their responsibility is front and center to, mm-hmm. to get their children involved in, in meaningful ways in church ministry. There is no lack of ministry. Um, right. And it's not just formal programmatic ministry that matters, you know, opportunities to be a blessing in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Have a, We had a block party a few weeks ago, you know, and we try to get people involved in that and, our, and, our, and, and families can be involved in those types of things. I think that the more young people understand that ministry is natural and not programmatic, I think right. the better the impact is going to be. Right. And, and not that we can't have programs. I'm not against programs like VBS or other things like that. Mm-hmm. But ministry is not confined to that. It right. has to be a natural right. outworking of who we are in, in Christ. And if, if young people can, can sense that, I think it'll make a huge difference in their, in their uh, approach to, to what God wants them to do. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the call of God, the will of God, I, I try to encourage our students not to overthink that. If they're mm-hmm. faithful, God is going to, to, to place them where he wants them to be. Mm-hmm. But, but parents do have a fundamental responsibility, and, and church leaders do as well. And, and I, really, I would really put the Bible college in third place behind the parents right. and, and the church when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of why I've I, we've tried to do that with our kids. So our my goal, the two words I've been focused on the last couple of years is intentional and relational. Mm-hmm. That's the really the goal. I want you to be intentional in your relationships, and what that means is, if as if, if you're really a believer, if you're really pursuing Christ, it's very natural for Him to come up. It's very natural for Jesus to be part of mm-hmm. your conversations. People ask, "What are you doing this weekend?" Mm-hmm. It's very natural. People ask all kind of questions where the answer is a spiritual answer. I know mm-hmm. one of the things that we've done in Japan. Because we have so many natural disasters and you have so many things that people are worried about, and it's a very fear-based culture, you know, people are always concerned and, and afraid of something. I've tried to teach our church, when you hear worry, concern, fear, any of these words, listen to the question, but hear the heart behind it. Mm-hmm. What they're really asking is, do you have hope? Because I'm kind of scared. Mm. I don't know what the future holds. Do you? Mm. So make sure you answer that question too. So an example of that, in when they had the Trump and Hillary were running for president, for, even in Japan, that was a big deal. So we'd have people to come and say, are you, are you worried about who the next president's going to be? So what I would say is, you know, I'd be glad to talk to you about that. But the the real answer is no, because I believe God's in control. Mm. And I would point them to scripture and mm-hmm. say, you know, I believe that God, he, he directs the hearts of the kings and the presidents mm-hmm. like he directs the paths of the river. So I don't have any fear, mm. whether it's the president that I think would do best, which we can talk about that, or the one I think would do terrible, which we can talk about that. But that's not the issue. The issue is I, I trust God, so I'm not worried about mm-hmm. it. And so same thing, a typhoon's coming. How are you guys, are you guys scared? It's like, no, because I believe I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave this earth until God's done with me. You know, I, I'm not going to leave quicker than, right. than he's ready. And I'm not going to last longer than he's ready. Mm-hmm. So the typhoon, the earthquake, all these things, the volcanoes, uh, fear, worry, concern, it's really, my hope is not that my body is going to last in this earth and do well. Mm-hmm. My hope is in Jesus. So, mm-hmm. so many conversations, that's natural. So I want my kids to see, this is a natural part. If you're genuinely, that's where your hope is, mm-hmm. then hear that in the conversation. People are asking these questions that are saying, I don't really have that hope. Mm-hmm. So it 
give it to me. And don't hide that mm-hmm. uh, and answer the real question. Yeah, I can tell you that. Yeah, I prefer this person over that one. Are the t- typhoons coming in? And yeah, we're going to put stuff over our doors, in our windows. We, we don't want to pay for new windows when the typhoon comes. But, but it's not because we're afraid. It's because we're practical mm-hmm. and we're poor. <laughs> <laughs> but that intentional relational, you know, that starts with our kids. Yeah. Um, and so for me, my, my prayer for my son when he was, I don't know, probably two or three, Cameron... Uh, my wife and I, Susan, started talking about it. By the time he's 15 or 16, I'd like him to be able to preach. And we didn't quite make it. I think he preached his first sermon at 17. Wow. But that was the goal, to get him ready. And because of different circumstances, I wasn't able to keep him going and practicing that as well as I had really hoped. But, you know, we had our goal that he's going to be ready. He'd be able, able to handle Scripture, that he's his face in the right place, that we're investing in him intentionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want our kids to have that, and then our church do that. When the people that come, every man that comes to church, every boy that comes to church, and no matter how old the man is when he comes, to say, my goal is to prepare you to be a pastor. Because if you're growing toward Christ-likeness, I think the pastor is not quite to Christ-likeness yet. So somewhere along the way, you should be able to do everything that I'm doing. Mm. So that's my goal for you. Mm. And you should that should be your goal for you. Yes. Uh, you should be able to handle the word well. You should be able to preach. You should be able to disciple. You should be able to do mm-hmm. all the work of the evangelist. Mm. That's not that's not a super position that somebody out there, it's every believer has that. Right. So if we if we really understand that and the church grasps that, mm-hmm. then I, I think we're sending people to Bible college that are already prepared, they're doing ministry, and what they're getting is a little better. They're a little better prepared. Uh, they're meeting, they're making their relationships, mm-hmm. the networking that's going to help them industry down the road. And that's often the bigger thing than the training if they've been prepared at home. Right. Yeah. Right. So, wow. um, awesome. So, the, the school is doing really well right now, as far as I understand. We have a lot of new students yes. coming in. I know one of the concerns that a lot of pastors are asking, who have not enough pastors, not enough missionaries, things like that. Um, do you know how many... At faith right now are in those programs. Uh, I can't give you exact numbers. We had a, we have quite an increase in the number of pastoral majors. I do know that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, in in the missions program, what happens is a lot of students come in wanting to serve in ministry, and they don't know for sure if they're going to be a missionary or pastor. And a lot of them will opt for pastoral studies because they figure, especially the fellows, mm-hmm. no matter what I do in my ministry, I'm going to be doing some sort of pastoral care, preaching, caring for the flock. Sure. In fact, that was my story. I, I came not knowing, so I was a pastoral major myself mm-hmm. and ended up going to the mission field. Now, I can tell you that I wish that I had maybe uh, had a few more options for missions, cross-cultural type sure. courses that would have helped me in my adjustment mm-hmm. to the mission field. Um, but no, God is is blessing us with with an increased number of students. Bible colleges have really faced some hard times, as you know. Many right. have closed over the years, mm-hmm. and yet God has allowed our school to uh, to continue to grow. We're up twenty five percent, according to what the president said uh, last week, and mm-hmm. and that's that's very very encouraging. And um, and you know we just encourage our students, whether they're here for a year or two or five, as you mentioned earlier, just just sharpen the skills that God has given you, you know, use the opportunities that are available to you to 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 make a difference and prepare yourself for for his work. But we are very grateful for the the growth that he's given to us. And uh, in fact, we would appreciate prayer because uh, we're struggling to find adequate classroom space and the projection for next year 
is similar to this year. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that uh, the the board of directors and others have to discuss is, do we do more bricks and mortar to make more classrooms, or is this just a bubble that's going to... And we just really need the wisdom of God to know to know how to do that. It's, it's a good problem to have. Right. It's a good problem. <laughs> but we are just grateful to the Lord that he is bringing people here who are, really have a mind and heart to serve God. Okay. Uh, shifting gear, gears again, um, sorry, I, I wasn't really prepared with a lot of notes. I'm just kind of, as I go and think about it, one of the things um, in the churches that as I've been traveling, the church that support us, a lot of churches um, seem to be struggling to reach across cultures in their communities. So as the missions director here, uh, how are you encouraging students or, and how could you maybe encourage churches, what are some ways they can cross some of those boundaries so that they have some kind of impact? Because I know at least a couple of churches, even here in Iowa, where they would say, we have these two large ethnic groups in our community, and we have nothing to do with them. Mm. Our, our path does not cross their path. Mm-hmm. And that's that's their honest answer. We, we would like to reach them, but we have nothing in common. We don't cross their path at all. So yeah. what, how do we do that? Yeah, that, and that is a, it's a very good question, and it is a huge challenge. Um, a lot of people feel intimidated by another culture. They don't want to make a fool of themselves, you know, going, going into another ethnic you know, community. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Well, we do try to offer missions trips, and those missions trips are varied. In other words, we don't have two or three standard trips we do every year. Just depends on missionaries and availability, but anything we can do to get students, you know, to experience another culture, so that if there are ethnicities close to them where they, where they serve, at least they can say, you know, I've had some experience in stepping across right. into another culture, and it's not as bad and right. as scary as I thought it was. Nothing happened to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, uh, you know, the more they have that experience, even if it's just a couple of weeks, which it is in most cases, most of our trips here are you know ten days, two weeks, maybe. But at least it gives them a taste of what it's like to step across. And mm-hmm. and and to do that in a large city here, where there's been a lot of emphasis this week on, you know, cities and mm-hmm. preaching and, and planting churches in the cities. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, uh, as you know, a lot of people in America live in very um, uh, unified um, uh uh, neighborhoods where you have one basic ethnicity. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's fascinating right here in Ankeny, even though we're small, I mean, we're about 70,000, which, you know, is fairly small. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could, I could name probably six or seven ethnicities that are pouring in here. Right. They're present more than we realize. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and some of them are very Americanized. They grew up in America, you know, they're used to our culture and that's why you can't hardly tell that they're here. Right. But, but I, I would say that that when students have an opportunity to experience another ethnicity, they should take advantage of it, especially when they're young, before they get married and have kids, and it becomes increasingly difficult, you know, to to, to get out. Even if they even if they're convinced that God doesn't want them in cross cultural ministry, mm-hmm. there's something about interacting with other cultures, other ethnicities, that is good for anyone who's a believer, because the body of Christ is diverse. Right. And, and, and so, you know, it's not just something for missionary wannabes to do, you know, if, if right. I can put it that way. This is, and it's becoming more and more a part of our cultural reality here anyway. You know, what is an American? Well, it's getting more and more difficult to answer that question because Americans are becoming more and more diverse in their ethnicity and their background. And so I just, we just encourage students to to step out. And some of them are very shy. Some students are, are very extrovertish and they love that opportunity. Other ones are not. And sometimes the ones who are more shy tend to feel like that's not for me, you know. Or, you know, you meet students say, I'm just not good with languages. I never did well in English. And so I cannot learn a new language. And, and I'm, 
I can tell you just from from background in Brazil that some of our most effective missionaries down there were those that struggled the most with language, and yet God used them and mm-hmm. and, and gave them grace to, to to make a significant impact. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, eth- ethnic uh, contact, interethnic uh, uh, contact is to me. Uh, anytime we we have an opportunity to do that, we should take advantage because it does open up new doors and and helps us to realize that that right. those differences aren't necessarily as complex as we might think they are. We'll be right back with part two of this interview. Stay tuned. <laughs> 